0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in uh, our study together of the New Testament. And um, we've been working through this for quite some time, uh, three and a half years, um, working through uh, mostly a chapter at a time. We've, we've taken a couple of detours. We've doubled up here and there. We've, I, I really slowed down at one point and was, was doing things sort of a half a chapter at a time. But for the most part, a chapter at a time. Well, working through um, the New Testament together and I've told you we'll move on to the Old Testament we're done with this we're about a year and a half out I would guess from finishing the New Testament um, and uh, we'll finish the this four, six weeks in First Timothy and there's a few in Second Timothy and then we've got the Titus chapters and uh, and then Hebrews, um, James the three letters to John and Revelation so and we might be a couple more years anyway um, <laughs> uh, but, but we'll keep pressing on. Uh, we're, my, my hope is, is that as we move through these things in context, it, it, it helps us to understand a little better things that are being said. You'll, you'll see some of that today, where um, if you don't have a context for what's being said, um, it, 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 can, it can be misunderstood or be presented to be saying something else. Um, than it's, then it's really saying. So that's why the, the whole idea of, of looking at these things together in a period of time like this in context, I think, is so valuable. Um, and that uh, uh, after we did the, the Gospels and saw how the, the uh, how Jesus' ministry went, and we looked at the Book of Acts and saw how they were doing things in the early church. And now these letters that we've been reading from the Apostle Paul is what we've done next. Um, sort of show us uh, how the early church is progressing and the problems they had, and the difficulties, and the persecutions, and the attacks, and the, um, all the the sin that they were dealing with. And it's it's you know very much like that uh, two thousand years later, same issues. Um, pretty much, and and um, same way that we're supposed to deal with them. So um, we're, 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 we're getting, a, hopefully, a really good look at what's going on and, and, and how um, Paul said to address it, uh, and he's taught us a lot of neat things about how we're to get along, about division, about um, uh, allowing the Spirit of God the opportunity to uh, speak to our hearts, to stay united, that we're, we're a body and we're a family and what all that means, and... Um, you know, it's just we've, we've looked at a lot of principles over time. Uh, these letters that we're in now, the letters to Timothy and to Titus, are primarily um, about teaching. And uh, it's not just a, a passing on of information. The type of uh, teaching that Paul is, is uh, encouraging Timothy and Titus to move into is communicating what a life in Christ is all about. And and it's it's a it's a teaching that's designed to uh, not just increase knowledge but to to shape beliefs and attitudes and values and behaviors to to get the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and and to to understand how we fit together in community as a church and and what our mission and purpose is and and to always remember the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God and how we're to deal with others and. And uh, how we're to have discernment, and how we need to study the scriptures, and uh, all the very important things that um, are a part of the life of a believer. And so uh, today we're going to look at the second chapter of First Timothy, uh, and um, there's some interesting verses in here. And, and uh, there's only fifteen verses, and I, 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 uh, it was funny. I, I sort of looked and, and went, "Oh, for fifteen verses, well, that'll be that'll be easy." You know what I mean? Oh, and you know. I'm, I'm like anybody else, good. Nice nice kind of easy study. Until I started reading the verses. I'm like, oh no. So it's, it's a great book. It's just, it's the kind of, it's the kind of chapter that tends to, um, all I should do is get your attention and then we'll talk about it. Which is, which is always really good, right? And, uh, and so let's, let's uh, read it and then we'll talk about it. 1 Timothy chapter two, verses one through 15. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle, and I'm telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over man. She must be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Blessed be the word of the Lord. None of that really needs to be explained, does it? (laughs) Let's just call her a night. all right well let's chat (laughs) okay first four verses um, I think this is all this is neat stuff in in the first four verses I think it's it should be fascinating for all of us to realize that God includes us in his plans for uh, and purposes uh, to bring people into his kingdom and and in these verses, um, what we're encouraged to do is pray, and we're to pray for everyone, uh, and and because that's the scope of God's heart for people, um, and it talks about praying for kings and people in authority. So that's what we should be doing. And remember, when Paul's writing these things, there's some really terrible people in authority. Um, the the Caesar at the time was was just. It was his mission to destroy Christendom and blame them for things. And Paul's including that guy in his prayer thing in everyone. And so um, uh, it's, it's this word everyone that I want you to think about in this context. And, and the idea is that God wants to capture, um, uh, he, he wants people to know him. And that word sort of captures the heart of the gospel message. In uh, John 3:16 and 17, for God so loved the world... That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So we always have to remember that this is the mission, that Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. That we're included in that entire dynamic by the lives that we live, by the words that we speak. And Paul reminds us here by our, by our prayer lives, that we're encouraged to be praying. Um, for everyone. So we, we need to make a habit of, of praying for people in authority, for people that we meet, for, for people that we haven't met yet, for people that we're going to meet. We need to pray and ask God to help us meet people that we need to meet. Um, you know, th- th- it's along these lines that the gospel will flourish and that people will come and come to know Christ. Uh, and, and because that's the heart of our mission, that's why we are here. Um, we're here because um, God wants us to let other people know about the love that we found and about the one that we found it in and about the life that we found. And so it's a, it's a part of our mission as individuals and corporately as a church. And so we need to include this process in, in the very fiber of our prayer being that, that, that we would re, be reminded, as Paul said, to pray for everyone. So he's, he's, he's telling Timothy, teach everybody to pray um, regularly that, that the lost would come Uh, to know Jesus that's the heart of the prayer and it needs to be at the heart of our prayers as well okay then in verses five through seven um he deals with this concept that's again not very popular in our culture Uh, in our culture it's widely believed that there are many ways to God and and yet the Christian belief our the the centrality of our belief um is, is that the way is through Christ and our culture today finds that um, very difficult to digest. They don't like um, limited options, and so they they struggle there. And and the the cultural dynamic is well, surely you know there's there's it's okay and everybody's going to be all right. And that's the over over sort of riding kind of thought process, but that's not backed up by the scripture. Um, Jesus says this in John 14:6. Jesus said. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And and so, you know, the point that Paul was making uh, in verses 5 through 7 is what he says. there's, There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. Now, the concept there, and most of you know it, but you know, we're to be praying for everyone to, to come to know Christ. That's the heart of the gospel message. That this is the gospel message. That, that um, the reality of this world uh, is that our sin, and all of us have sinned, has separated us from a perfect, holy God. God is perfect and holy. None of us are. All of us have sinned, and once you've sinned, you, you, there's a separation that existed there's a gap there's a chasm there's a there's an issue that that exists now because God is holy and we're not because of sin and all of us have sinned um, and then what happens is we try and figure out in our own strength, with our own wisdom, with our own ideas and philosophies and um, uh, you know, cultural dynamic of the time, um, the things that we think we can do in order to get, bridge this chasm back to God. But there's no way you can earn your way back. You can't go from, from where you're at to perfect once you've messed up. Once you've messed up, you're no longer perfect. You have an issue. And, and no matter how hard we try, there's no way back in our own strength we can't get there our good works can't get us there our best efforts can't get us there nothing can get us back that's the that's the the problem that exists sin has entered the world we've all sinned and the sin has caused a separation between us and God God however knows that and God loves us so much even though that all of us basically thumbed our noses at God and did our own thing and continue to he loves us so much that he made a way and and he came to us that's the gospel message Jesus came. Fully God, fully man. He came. He lived among us. He came in a very, you know, uh, amazing way, but but was born the way the rest of us were, so he could relate to us. He lived a a life that that most of us would also understand um, uh, 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 up to, you know, the point that he engaged in his ministry at at whatever point that was in his life, 30-ish. And then then he did amazing, world-changing things, I um, mean, he demonstrated that he was who he said he was. That he was—he—he he, he had one who has come. He was the Messiah, uh, and he had come to bring uh, the hope of redemption to the world. And then, at the time of his choosing, when it was the right time, he willingly went to the cross, um, where he suffered humiliation and agony, and and uh, you know, uh, all the stuff that he went through, uh, and ultimately death on the cross. Uh, and he died, and was buried, and then three days later he rose again, defeating death, and now sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. His perfect, perfect, sinless life, because he never sinned, uh, he experienced temptation, but he never sinned, his perfect, sinless life was enough for us, um, to pay for all our sin and to reconnect us back into a perfect holy God. We're, we're, we're reconnected in Christ, not in our own strength, not in our own efforts, but in what Christ has done for us. He's made our way back. That's the heart of the gospel message. He, Jesus is the mediator between us and God. So in Christ now, God sees us. In Christ. So he sees us perfected, even though we're not. He sees us uh, as, as all those things that we, we will be one day when we're back with him, but we, he sees us now in Christ and, and we're covered because of what Jesus has done in accepting and believing that. That's the heart of the gospel message. That's what we're praying people for to, uh, to get and to receive and to walk into in this life. And so that's at the heart of this this teaching that that Paul is giving to Timothy and ultimately Titus teach people these things. They need to know these things. These are the basics. Okay, now we move into verses 8 through 15 which are fascinating verses. And uh, some people have interpreted these scriptures to mean that women should never teach in the assembled church. And yet... Um, That's why, see, looking at books in context is so helpful. As we've seen from numerous studies in the New Testament that we've already done, um, that's not the case. Uh, And that it's it's not the case with Paul. In Acts 18, 24, we see that that Paul actually commends his coworker Priscilla, who taught Apollos, who was known as the great preacher and probably the writer of Hebrews. Uh, uh, She was very active in teaching the early church and was a, was a well-documented part of the established church. In the letter to the Romans, Paul mentions numerous women who worked and taught in, in the church, including Phoebe, Mary, Tryphena, Trof, Tryphosa, and Persis. In Philippians, Paul talks about Yodia uh, and Sinchi, and who also had significant roles in the church, in leadership, and in training, uh, and um, in, in all sorts of other areas in the church and so so we we know that he was talking about those things in other letters what's going on here in um, this letter and what they're going on and remember now he's writing to timothy who was overseeing at the time the church in ephesus and the ephesian church was um, being overwhelmed by false teachers which was happening all over um, in in the churches in in other areas as well and so to understand what's going on is that that Paul's admonition here what he's doing as he writes this letter is he's prohibiting the women in the Ephesian church from teaching it's not a prohibition for all women for all time because we've just seen that it's obviously not because he's got women teaching in lots of other places so what we need to do is is kind of hopefully understand the context that Paul and Timothy are dealing with and, and so here's, here's an uh, understanding now. At what point in time this letter was written, why it's important. At that point in time in the culture in Ephesus, women were not allowed um, access to education or to study. So they, they, up until this point in time, they hadn't had the opportunity to study or to be trained or educated in any way. That still happens horrendously in many portions of the world today where women are excluded from access to education. They're just completely excluded. So it's not only is it was it part of the culture then, in, in many places it survived um, um, where, where the um, where the efforts of the church haven't impacted. See, the church always brings with it the, the, uh, the idea of opening up education to everybody, always. Women, everyone, access. Um, but the women weren't allowed to study. And so when Paul says things like that women should learn quietly, submissively, he's, he's in no way trying to hold women back. What he's in fact doing is he's offering them an amazing new opportunity to study and learn the word of god they haven't had access to it up to this point or to any of the philosophy training or to any of the um religious training that that um a lot of the early church guys were jewish they would have all been trained the men but not the women and so there was a background uh, in the men established because they're the ones who had access to education And so what Paul's encouraging the women who hadn't had this prior access is to learn in effect with an attitude of quietness and closure. He wants them to to drink it in, to take in, to learn, to study, and to grow in this new opportunity that's being presented to them in the church. And remember, we've seen in our other studies that, um, that in some of the areas where all of a sudden, all this freedom was coming in that, that, that women had never experienced before, um, it would cause some sort of um, um, immediate issues um, because it was just so new and there was so much of it that, that hadn't been all sort of figured out yet. So the prohibition in this part in Timothy in the church in Ephesus is, is merely to cover um, a period in time when the women needed to have access to the the word of God into the studying of the word of God so they could get caught up to the spot where they would be uh, then mature enough to be able to present it Um, and so it was a prohibition until they had enough knowledge and experience in order to be able to teach and the problem was being magnified by the influence of the false teachers because without the um Pre-existing foundation of the Old Testament scriptures—they um, were—they were being more easily swayed, apparently, by these false teachers, because they just didn't have the foundation yet. It wasn't uh, that they, they wouldn't have it; they just didn't have it yet. And so that's why then those those Adam and Eve verses get worked in there. Which, if you don't understand, don't don't. You kind of go with well, that. It, it almost is offensive, um, but the the illustration is. Look, just as Eve had been deceived in the garden, um, the, the women in the church were being deceived because they didn't have the information that they should have yet. And um, in the garden, that, that was Adam's fault apparently because the very word Adam means, um, it means the pointed one who instructs or, or who the word comes through. Um, Adam was was. Uh, was being taught from the lord and he was supposed to pass that on um and and he hadn't done it um and and so we have a similar situation now culturally because the information that had been passed down hadn't been distributed to everybody as it should have been the women were excluded from it so they didn't have it Um, it's not that they you know that they were just easily deceived they didn't have the knowledge because it hadn't been given to them the way it should have been that, that's kind of what happened there in the garden. So, um, um, so, so what needed to happen now was that you know, the men who had the information that was good and solid needed to train um, everybody so that they would come up together in this process. And verse 14 of those things too is, is, is often misused. Um, and I, I want to go back and, and tell you how. Let me just look at it. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. A lot of people have jumped on that out of context over time um, and go see it's all, it's all the women's fault that this big mess. And it's not. Um, if you go back and look at the verses in the fall, what you find very clearly, it, it says that, that Eve was deceived, but she took of the fruit and then she gave it to her husband. And the next phrase is huge. Who was with her? Right there. Standing right there knew better so to eve eve's thing maybe adam hadn't taught her the way he should have because he was one of the knowledge but he knew at the point in time he didn't do anything and so so then what happens is paul in romans lays that whole thing back on adam uh where, where it really belongs um, they were both at fault but but um he, he places the primary blame for humanity's sinful nature on Adam. Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and this way death came all men because all sinned. And then later on, verse Romans 5.17, For it is by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more were those who received God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reigned in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So, when you look at those verses um, and, and the, the, the letter in a whole, it is never and has never been attended, um, as it's sometimes misused, to, to hold women back. It was a, it was a um, period of time when the women just needed to be trained up because they hadn't had any prior access in order to be um, able to then um, you know, do those things and understand and discern and, and everything else that should be happening in the process. So that's how fun those 15 verses are. And that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) That's enough. It's just enough. So um, if you're watching on TV or video, thank you so much. We appreciate how valuable your time is and that you spend it with us. And we're so glad that you were um, with us tonight. Uh, If you need to send us a prayer request, you can put it on the uh, keysvineyard.com website and go to the contact page. uh, or prayer page and we will get it and we will um, certainly be praying for you. And again, thanks for being a part.